Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome to our spoiler-free review for Marvel's Werewolf by Night. Tonight, it is every hunter for themselves. My name is Nate, and this is our spoiler-free review for Marvel's Werewolf by Night. Special thanks, as always, to our friends at Marvel and Disney Studios Canada for giving us the opportunity to watch this special presentation early for review. I thought I shouldn't do the voice the the entire time, but I was kind of going for, you know, the... The narrator, the ambience, yeah, it works. Okay, okay, it works. Yeah. If you're joining us for the first time, we are Geekcentric, a podcast focusing on the world of movies, TV shows, games, toys, collectibles, and all things geekcentric. Now, joining me for this descent into madness, we have my two favorite monster hunters, Darcy the Demon from Hell Hudson. Okay, list, your alliteration never fails to make me speechless. <laughs> I got it on both sides, dude. Demon, Darcy, Demon, yeah. Hell, Hudson. Come on. It's... Yeah, I know. Like, that's no, why I was definitely blown away. have like a mean ass base, though. Oh yeah, this character that you've described would have it, and your oh, hair dude. would be even longer and, and made of fire. Oh, dude, It'd be incredible. Oh. It'd be incredible. I say yes to all of this. <laughs> <laughs> and creeping out from the night, we have the tall and beautiful. And alluring. I don't know why I said beautiful. <laughs> Justin, the Jack O' Lantern Lawrence. Ah? Hello. Yeah, <laughs> the you know, voice. I get That's it. Yeah, exactly. Hello. Hello. Mrs. Doubtfire Jack Skellington. Over here. <laughs> okay, exactly. okay, okay. Jack Skellington. That's I get it. it. That I get is it. exactly it. Darcy got it. Darcy got it. <laughs> how, are you doing, to Darcy. how are you two yes. doing on this uh, spooky, cold, rainy evening? I don't know. Is it raining there? I don't know. It's probably raining here. No, is it raining there? It's no. probably. It's always raining here. I don't know. <laughs> Um, uh, Before we get into this review, in the spirit of the scariest season uh, that we're now in, we've made it to October, Um, obviously some good spooky movies have come out throughout the year, and I think this special presentation is also, I keep calling it a special presentation, I might call it a movie, I don't know, Uh, but in the spirit of the scariest season, I wanted to ask both of you, before we get into the review tonight, what is the oldest scary movie you've ever seen. So it has to be really old and it has to be really scary. Mm, uh, I mean, I remember when I was in high school, uh, one of our go-to uh, activities after school and indulging in, in some some bush activities, uh, we'd go back to our buddy's house and watch movies. And I've watched a lot of Karloff stuff. I watched Bram Stoker's Dracula. I watched a lot of those, the early 30s, 40s movies, but mm-hmm. I honestly can't remember much about them. So... <laughs> Yeah, I enjoyed them. I just don't remember why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. But none of them, none of them were too scary for you. They were all pretty. No, because back then it was all about the soundtrack building tension, and and that's some of my one of my favorite parts about the horror movies is that mm-hmm. soundtrack building. And when 
it's a guy in a mask and just really, really creative use of lighting or again that soundtrack to build the spook that's something i can appreciate more than just the the over-the-top guts and gore that we're getting in some of the the newer slasher flicks and stuff like that so interesting yeah well said sir because i'm i'm totally on the same page because because nate your question kind of is like is the two questions the oldest movie that you've that you've ever watched that scared you, right? Yes. So I'd probably be in, in my 90s something, probably mm-hmm. Scream or something like that. But the oldest movie I've ever watched of the horror genre, mm. uh, very much like Darcy, is actually even further out. It's the silent era from 1922. Uh, it's a highly influential silent horror film, uh, and it's about Nosferatu. Oh. And it's a German expressionism film that is celebrated for its visual achievements. Uh, you know, German expressionism used harsh lighting and played with shadows, and it was very much about the experience and the visual way of mm-hmm. telling this horror story. Um, in a time when sound wasn't really a thing, it was just, you know, a little piano score and, and whatnot that was laid over top uh, that helped guide the tension. But yeah, this would probably be the oldest movie I watched. Probably not the scariest movie, but definitely the oldest movie uh, that I watched, uh, which is now 100 years old. Jeez, you guys out here talking about German expressionism, and I'm like, <laughs> my answer is so lame in comparison. Because, um, like, I for me, like, I, I don't go back to the classic, like, vintage black and white horror films, like the one that this, you know, the ones that this movie is is trying to replicate. Um, for mm-hmm. me, I only go so far back as 2002, uh, so 20 years ago, with, uh, for me, the scariest, but that's also the, I think, the oldest scare movie that stuck with me as far as scares uh, is Gore Verbinski's The Ring. Um, that movie sticks with me, and I know it. There, there is an older version of it with the original Japanese releases of the what that film was sort of Ringu. based on, uh, yeah. Ringu. Yeah, but but dude, something about like and spoilers for the Ring. Sorry, twenty year old spoilers, <laughs> but like seeing seeing horse horse. Oh, I can't even speak horse death. Seeing horse death. I don't know why that like stuck with me. The horse when it goes under the boat and gets shredded up, and it's just. Oh, it's so horrible, and I, I always <laughs> felt bad for it because I'm like, that poor horse doesn't need to be in that situation. And then there's, like, the flies and, like, the the rope of hair coming out of the throat. Like, all this stuff is just imagery that, like, I was probably, I would say I'd be 13 at the time because I probably watched it on, I think I watched it on TV. And it was one of those things where you catch yourself. Have you ever caught yourself, like, just sitting in front of a TV and just being like, I'm watching this and I'm not going to stop watching this? No, because I usually close my eyes or change the channel. I've watched The Ring, but it was through, yeah, likewise. through my fingers in the backseat of my buddy's car on the way to a yeah. paintball match or something like that. I can't do the modern yeah. horror because they're too, it's too shocking in, in terms of visual like Dude, stuff. It, I, don't I like was it. entranced oh. by it. And I, I think the part that, I think what freaked me out the most beyond all the imagery and, 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 and what have you was the fact that I felt like I was in a trance watching this movie go deeper and deeper into darkness. And at the same time, the characters in the movie are also entranced by a television screen when they put this this video on. I don't know. It just, it really stuck with me. And it's something that's, I think, kind of lived with me as far as like what can scare me uh, for, the, for my entire life. For sure. And I think that really does speak volumes about, you know, as Darcy pointed out, the modern horror today's today's types of horror movies i think given the question that you're asking about the oldest movie that scared you i think our minds went to the oldest movie 
given the context of this special presentation, which relies more on a visual and auditory element, very much like those classic movies that we reference to help build the tension and build the suspense, uh, rather than I think what we're more used to today with common slasher films like Darcy was mentioning, where it's just a lot of heavy bl blood and guts and gore and just that sense of um, wow factor for the sake of it. Um, I think that, again, as we get into it, there's a reason why we chose these more classic horror movies uh, as our oldest movie that we've seen. Well, and I think I think this presentation does a good job of still blending some of the modern aspects of mm -hmm, horror yeah, mm -hmm. uh, with those classic yes. sides. So let's let's get into it. Let me get to the the synopsis for uh, again, as Marvel's calling it, this special presentation uh, on a dark and somber night. A secret cabal of monster hunters emerge from the shadows and gather at the foreboding Bloodstone Temple following the death of their leader. In a strange and macabre memorial uh, to the leader's life, the attendees are thrust into a mysterious and deadly competition for a powerful relic, a hunt that will ultimately bring them face to face with a dangerous monster. Inspired by horror films of the 1930s and 40s, the chilling special aims to evoke a sense of dread and the macabre with, a, with plenty of suspense and scares along the way as we explore a new corner of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, this special stars Gael Garcia Bernal, Laura Donnelly, and Harriet Sanson Harris, uh, and it's written by Heather Quinn and Peter Cameron and directed by the GOAT himself, Michael Giacchino. Uh, it's available October 7th uh, exclusively on Disney+. Plus. So if you're listening to this uh, on the night that we, we posted this review, it's out tomorrow, just in time for all the spooky scariness. Uh, let's get into it. I think, um, you know, I think the, the, the first thing that is going to be so apparent is obviously the look of this special. And I think that might be a good place to start our conversation. I, I think it was... Fantastic, and, and always we often say this, but the idea when you have an idea that strays so far away from what you would consider conventional, it it needs to be confident in what it's trying to achieve uh, thematically and visually. And this is dripping uh, with more than just blood; like it is dripping with confidence. <laughs> and I think Michael Giacchino absolutely nailed the genre from the. Like from the, the set design to the sort of almost blending of both modern and vintage dialogue, the music, of course, he's a composer, performances. the performances, mm -hmm. like performances. all of it was was just even the narrative, the way it was structured, playing towards that common goal of, of paying tribute to the like we brought up the Hammer films of the 1930s and 40s, but still the way that it blends and plays inside the sort of expectation for what like you would expect from the MCU, it nails it. And it's so it's it's super impressive to see that they were able to pull this off. Um and I think it's going to be I think a lot of people are really gonna love it for for the for this holiday season. I don't know. I don't know. What'd you guys think? Yeah, I mean I loved it. Again, I mentioned about how the the early stuff I did enjoy that I can remember, it was because of the way they built suspense through the soundtrack and the way that they used the lights and certain camera angles to really build the tension in just a single shot or over the course of the whole presentation. It was phenomenal. And like you said, he executed this 
homage perfectly while elevating it to modern standards with so many other features. So like, yeah, I, I only have good things to say about this, this special presentation. Yeah, uh, I think this is more of a movie that celebrates the sound of of horror movies from the 1930s because sound was revolutionary in the 30s for movies and in, in that it gave so much more. Like I mentioned Nosferatu from a visual standpoint as as the horror movie, the oldest one. When, when we get to the 30s, uh, we start to see the implication of sound design and sound effects to add depth to the terror. You know, it could be a creaking door or footsteps rumbling. You know what I mean? The, the, the weather of thunder and that, you know, all this sort of stuff and musical cues, you know, layered in, you know, to build suspense, as you were mentioning Darcy and sort of give that threat and guide the mood and the emotion of the, of the movie. Um, you know, that blended with the very clear, aesthetics of classic hollywood horror it's just it's just a win and it like you said nate it's so confident in what it in how it is able to tell that story with this with this aesthetic while also embracing the you know sensibilities of of modern contemporary cinema and i think that is very much captured in the performances that we get from from our cast you know gail garcia burnell's uh, portrayal of Jack Russell and even Laura Donnelly's Elsa Bloodstone both felt very grounded and real and authentic, um, different from one another. Um, but I loved how uh, seemingly authentic and uh, real that these characters felt for us to connect. But then that's juxtaposed with a very, very theatrical of that era cinema performance. And that's Verusa, played by Harriet Sampson Harris. She was outstanding. She felt so appropriate for the era and time of cinema mm -hmm. that is is being recreated here that she just fits mm -hmm. so well. She brought that theatricality. She brought that drama. She brought that intensity. While other characters in and around her felt more grounded and more relatable, she was that bombastic villain. And she played it with such confidence and such commitment. It was outstanding. So I think this cast definitely committed to their roles and there's just such an, an aura of confidence to their portrayals and I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I, I loved, you know, if we're going to talk about confidence, I think Laura Donnelly uh, as Elsa Bloodstone mm -hmm. was incredible. She she was so badass from the moment she came on screen. Um, and and I, I love the, you know, her combat and her... Her physicality in this is incredible. The the like shout out to the the choreographers for the fight scenes in this in this special presentation as well. And and I feel like she's at the center of most of them. Um, and she's just she you know is, she's yeah. out here holding her own. And and I loved how she was really in this hunt for herself. But at the same time, we do get a little crack into seeing her sort of. Um, learning to trust compassion. and and yeah, yeah and understanding and compassion yeah and it's it's great i think her with uh gael garcia bernal as jack russell like i i loved how i loved how kind he is he's his character mm -hmm. is such a juxtaposition to the idea of what you would imagine someone who's a werewolf is and i i love mm -hmm. that they added so much dimension to his character i think i think al is um is charming he's so charming and even after seeing him on screen for like a minute in i was i was instantly bought into i'm like okay whatever he's gonna do i'm behind him i care about this character and i think a lot of that goes to his performance charming and kind is are, are great 
buzzwords to use for it to describe him because that is just how endearing he is and you care for him right like even when he's amidst these these hunters you you know he's out of place because he's different from the rest of them and we just see that sort of unravel and I, I i think again very much like elsa like you were mentioning she's in it for herself but she learns how to become compassionate there's these elements of heart that are just sort of infused into this this horror movie that again unlike most conventional horror movies and modern horror movies it's all sadistic blood gore it's 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 the wow it's the oh my god and and this has some of that mm -hmm. but it, it's not in a place just for for gag you know what I mean? It's there. It's there to obviously create the element of horror, but there's this elements of heart that really keep it grounded and allow the audience to really connect. So I don't know. It's just that's classic Hollywood, in my opinion. Right. It's still something having a relatable connect connectivity. And I think it it's very much captured in the performances of the cast. I do want to circle back just really quickly to Harriet Sansom Harris. Um, you know, we talk about Marvel villains and I think recently we've seen the best and worst Marvel villains in this phase. And she's up there with some of the best, which is so impressive because we don't get a ton of her, right? We get a little bit of her. In, and, and this overall, this, this special is only just under an hour long at like 50 minutes. So the fact that she was able to be a better antagonist in this special than a lot of MCU villains in phase four with the little yeah. amount of time we've gotten. Just, saying something. It speaks yeah. to her performance. And I think she plays like the way her character's written is so it's so mysterious and she's so convicted at the same time. And, 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 and she's, it's so dubious as well. Like I think there's, the fact that we don't know stuff about her and we've talked about like just recently with Thor love and thunder and we talked about gore and like how understanding gore's motives and where he's coming from really helps to get us behind that character but with this the way the story is told and the way that this is it, her character is written it actually works so much better the opposite way where you're just so entranced by her performance that you don't really mind not fully getting an understanding of where she's coming from. Yeah, and I, I, I feel like a lot of that comes down to the fact that it is drawing so much inspiration from some of those early horror films because back then, evil was just the monster and it was very easy, like clear in front of you and they hinted at it using, again, the musical cues and the lighting and stuff like that. And so when they kind of flip it on the head here and have a human with those same musical cues giving this really over dramatic speech that you'd expect like you know almost a vampire or something else to have mm -hmm. that poison and, and and you know um the narcissism that kind of goes behind that character so again she brought that that villain to life so easily without needing to explain where she came from you just know that you're supposed to not like her so it was so well done in that regard like her performance is so nuanced with the, the right amount of theatricality and the right balance again of, of sensible modern performances because even when we when Nate when you talked with Kyle Solar mm -hmm. about you know Andor he mentioned you know a, a villain that believes that he's doing right that he's there are their own hero yeah and I think that's where this this really does cement itself you know is that she she fully believes that what she's doing is right she's and and, she, and for that cause so I I I I think that helped to just kind of make her so much more real but that performance also to just be of her character it just it just felt so believable and so committed i, I just absolutely flawless and i also want to shout out like all the entire team on the 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 cinematography the lighting side of things i think with black and white you know i think it, it's it's 
it's so easy to fall into, especially for a lot of like modern black and white movies or shows. It's it, it, it can get really dimly lit at times. Uh, and even things that are in color, like uh, the most recent episode of House of the Dragon, can also get really <laughs> hard to see things on screen at times. But I think with the way that they do this, where it almost feels like there's like a spotlight to the point where it, it does sort of fall into that almost side of even uh, theater, where you kind of like, oh, there's it like is. there's like it there's a, a, yeah. someone holding a big light shining on these yeah. characters um, as we're watching it, and it just worked. So well, it was never the case that you couldn't see what was going on uh, in this special. But at the same time, it's the way they also used the uh, the the showing using the light and then taking it away at the same time uh, in certain sequences that left you wanting to see what was going on, but also having that idea in your head of like, oh, it's it's probably so horrible that I actually can't see it. And again, it, it speaks to that mentality and that side of filmmaking that was so classically used in the uh, in like you know the older films. Yeah, there is there was one specific scene where Elsa um, kind of turns cut, turns the corner and reveals herself behind a brick wall, and the way it was shot and that just that natural portraiture style, like it felt so classic Hollywood. And even like the film grain, the overall picture looked. There was burn in spots throughout the whole thing. Exactly. I kept noticing that too. Yeah. It was digital. I can let that slide because I think what's what they're trying to do is emulate it and recreate it and and have this this piece, this special presentation live in an era of time within cinema. The black and white, the lighting, the shadows, the tracking shots, the extreme close ups. Like everything about it was just so classic Hollywood horror. It was, it was, it, he nailed it. He nailed it. And I mean, I think the other aspect to it that he also nailed, and of course he did because he's a composer, uh, was the music. I think the big giant drums, the horn section, the, horns, the, man. the, Ooh. dude, when we hit that, we hit that <laughs> moment with the, bwah, yeah, dude, it was <laughs> so good. And it, it's cool how they almost, without spoiling anything, they added something physically there that was making that noise that then carried through uh into the next scene but i i love even like the old sci-fi almost like um it's not a theremin but it's vocals that sound very theremin-esque um and and it's it just it just fits so perfectly it seamlessly blends into the world where you you can almost feel like they're playing, we're hearing the music that they might also be listening to at the same time. And I think it does such a good job of transporting you back in time uh, as you watch these characters go on this 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 hunt. Um, yeah. So good. So well done. And, and I'm going to definitely be trying to find this soundtrack as well. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of it comes from the fact that he did, he directed and he composed this one. So he... Yeah. Definitely had a clear goal in mind when he sat down to to, to accomplish uh, this project or whatever, when he set it to achieve while doing it. And he fully hit it out of the park because everything was is there for a reason. Like you said, they have visual cues to tie in the soundtrack to the uh, the the, the their world that they're in and everything about it is so enthralling and again it's very classic Hollywood. I'm stealing Justin's little catchphrase from this uh, episode, but I I loved every second of it. Yeah, and you know I think it was uh, the the movie podcast guys. They actually interviewed uh, 
Giacchino and, and he talked about how the fact that like they would be in the editing room working together and he'd come up with something and then he'd go to his office and come up with like a musical cue and then they would work it in and then you know what I mean it was a way to kind of feel the mood and the tension I love that it's just so playful and it's it's in the moment trying to figure out how do you guide that tension to to that that point there's a moment where it just kind of shifts the tone shifts and I, I loved it it just had a sense of reminder that there's a little heart to this story because uh, it was pretty like horror vibes right up to a certain point point. and Darcy the fact that you brought up the idea of sound and music being the thing that drives the feelings forward beyond the visuals in this even though it is so visually uh, stunning and, and impressive um, co-executive producer Brian Gay uh, also brought up in, a, in an interview that I watched with him where he did talk about the fact that Giacchino would often, you know, show up and, and work with the writers and, uh, and he would literally just play 45 seconds of music and then say, I want it to feel like this make it feel like this from a visual standpoint or he would work with you know different you know so it's 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 so cool because i think he's leading with the thing that he knows in his that's, directing that's style that's his script it's so that's cool man i love it i love yeah, it and i yeah. really yeah. I, i'm so happy that he got to do this uh, i think the only yeah. other major intriguing thing that i wanted to mention before maybe we talk about if there was anything that we didn't quite like um would be i guess two things number one this feels like a fever dream, I think, is what's so much fun about it, is that we're sort of just placed into this world. And kind of like in a dream, there's not really a ton of context as to when or where this is taking place. And I, I really enjoyed that. I actually felt it was really refreshing, especially getting into, you know, coming from the MCU where we're constantly just trying to be like, okay, how does this all connect? And the fact that they're just like, doesn't matter we're just going to put you into this sort of world and you're just going to live in it for I, 50 minutes was was awesome from a filmmaking standpoint you're absolutely right this is totally Giacchino's love letter to the scores of horror movies and telling that from a visual standpoint and I love that it's, that it's his script but from a Marvel standpoint I think that this special presentation highlights exactly what you're talking about that it can be removed. It doesn't need to uh, be associated with everything. Uh, it can open doors uh, and lead to implications, but it doesn't need to be directly associated. Um, and I think that's what we liked about Thor collectively, uh, you know, Love and Thunder, is that it felt very contained while bringing in, as we've mentioned, the sensibility, the knowledge, the existence of the MCU in subtle ways. So that's kind of the most refreshing part about this whole thing is how removed it is while also having the right balance of still feeling a part of. And I did want to talk about the violence. I think the use of violence and gore in this was impressive for a Disney plus Marvel project. I, you can, you can see that they do get away with it by making it uh, black and white so that the blood splattering out of some of these bodies is pitch black. So it, it kind of looks more like ink. And I remember when we first saw some of the stuff from Multiverse of Madness with Wanda, and we're like, is she covered in blood in that moment? And no, it was it was like robot oil or something like that, right? Grease, yeah. uh, Grease. So, so it, you know, they were able to get away with that visual imagery, and, and they do it again here. Um, but, you know, they're honestly, like, there's... Uh, there's some dismemberment in this movie, and I, I think it was it was so welcome as we we prepare ourselves 
to bring Deadpool into the MCU. And I think that's where we're going to get to start to see some of this, this blood in color. But I also, I also hope we go back to some of these, like the horror genre and maybe kind of revisit it and, and really get it, um, you know, get to see it. Cause I think, I think there is, if this was in, if this was in full color, um, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I think a lot of, uh, it would be, it would be pretty, pretty messed up looking. Well, I think a lot of that goes to the fact with the lighting again. They hide a lot of those big moments. Uh, I mean, back in the early movies, it was to hide the cuts to to give you that you know visual shock after the the musical buildup. And mm-hmm. in this one, they're kind of just playing off that idea where they're like, if we show you the start and the end result, you'll still get that middle thing without having to actually be shown it. And it's mm-hmm. a genius way of, of again introducing Marvel audiences to what could, we could potentially see in Deadpool. So I thought it was very funny that you brought that up because that was where my, my mind first went when I saw it too. So it feels like a gradual buildup mm-hmm. because not to say that, you know, there were some pretty vicious kills in Multiverse of Madness, albeit that was pretty much it mm-hmm. in terms of horror. But here, because I think it is leaning so hard, you know, some of that dismemberment feels very classic. Some of that also feels very modern, like something that you would see nowadays in, you know, epic horror movie style, you know, killings, if you will. Because, again, Blade's going to show up. There's going to be some killing in that. Uh, and I think it probably be more aligned with something like we saw here. Uh, well, I don't I you know, I hate to uh, to be the what would I say? The 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 funeral guy the party pooper <laughs> the guy at the funeral i don't know the the rotting the, the rotting body the rotting guy um <laughs> but um but i i wanted to ask you know were there was there anything in this special uh, that didn't quite land for you obviously we're huge marvel stands and everything marvel makes we're going to give 5 out of 5 so that's what no i'm just kidding. i'm kidding uh i want to know no. is there is there anything that didn't quite work for you not me. I loved every single thing from this this yeah. special presentation. I, they knocked it out of the park for me, so I could. I watched it twice and still couldn't find anything wrong with it. So nothing bad to say in my book. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. I, I've watched it twice as well. I, I can't see anything that that really bothered me or that made me not dislike this this uh, special presentation. I think he, this is like flawlessly done. And very contained, as we mentioned. So, yeah, I got no negatives. So. I think, I think for me, it's so nitpicky. But I, I, I felt like the trailer for this special presentation um, ended up being scarier than the special presentation itself. I did, I did have slight expectations based on the marketing that this was going to just be a little bit more. Um, I, I don't even want to say visceral because it is really the imagery is really visceral at times. But I, I, I felt like I just felt like there it, there could have been something that um, could have hit me a little bit more. But at the same time, as we're having this discussion, I'm also understanding that, like, that's not exactly what they were going for, which I think it's just to say that the trailer, which we're not reviewing the trailer, but the trailer <laughs> might have um, slightly you know, set the wrong expectations for what to expect. I think if people watch the trailer, I honestly do. I think if people watch the trailer and think that's going to be too scary for me, I actually don't think 
that this will be too scary for you based on on what okay. we saw. That's just my that's my feeling. And again, I get it. The trailer's there to hype you up. But and you thought it was going to be too it. scary. I thought yeah, it was going to was be. be I thought scary. it was honestly. I thought it was going to be something that I was going to want to close my eyes at at times. I really did. Um, and I didn't. Really? I didn't feel that <laughs> way. Never anticipated. Yeah. Nope. I got again. Never maybe, anticipated. That. Maybe it's because we do have a background watching or familiar with some of those those original movies. Because again, that is all I got from that original trailer. Is that this is going to be like a very campy cheesy right. original pulpy horror story and it was so much more than that so in, in my opinion if you think it's too cheesy or too out there for you to watch after seeing that trailer think again because it is so masterfully executed mm. i say that's what i was going to say because I, I i'm actually surprised because i remember when we when we went we're talking about the trailer you mentioned like it's great for a marketing tool but if it's a little too like too much like that mm-hmm. it might take you out and you Darcy you really enjoyed it like mm-hmm. you, I loved you know, it you, you really you connected with it and I think it's still again as we've said brings in those modern touches to make it still feel relevant while also embracing the aesthetics of classic classic Hollywood horror there's my tagline for you. <laughs> I think the only thing that the only other really small thing and it's honestly just speaks to how much i oh enjoy. there's two well it honestly it's not it's not really a negative because it's like it just speaks to how much i enjoyed it which was that i did want it to be longer like i wanted this to be a full movie as opposed to 50 minutes and w- as soon as we sort of got to the end i was kind of like ah, I, I that's okay that's where we are and i was satisfied with what i got but i also wasn't at the same time like i really do hope we so see these, these characters going forward um, I just, I don't know, man. I thought it was so well done that I wanted to live in that world just a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, man, that's that's about it. Again, we're nitpicking here. Well, you're, you're nitpicking because <laughs> it's funny how you took like a, a positive about how you want to live in the world, but it's not it's not long enough. For just so greedy. I love, just, I love that. I love it. it. <laughs> you never satisfy this man. <laughs> no, I'm, I, I want it all. Uh, let's get to our final thoughts uh, and overall mm-hmm. rating. Uh, which we're going to rate on a scale of one to five bloodstones. Darcy, I'm going to get you to go first. Uh, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious where I'm going with this score. I've talked about how I have nothing bad to say about it, and I loved every minute of it. I Again, watching it twice, it was just as enjoyable, even though it was still fresh in my head. So I easily a five out of five uh, bloodstones from this guy because it was so fresh, so unique, and I love... I'm looking forward to more of their special presentations if they're going to be this more experimental thing because if it gives us new Marvel stuff and maybe we get something out of it, I'm all for it. Very cool. Very cool. Justin. Yeah, I'm I'm with Darcy. You know, this thing is awesome. It's unlike anything we've gotten from the MCU. And I think Michael Giacchino just serves up a nostalgic-fueled monster movie, you know, and it has those beautiful haunting visuals that are so reminiscent of classic horror and he also lays in an outstanding score and sound design sound space that you know it just guides the tension and the mood and like i was saying and and you you opened up with darcy you know horror movies of today are just are all about the gore and the blood and they really do lack the heart and i i honestly believe that what jacchino does so well here is he masterfully brings in the horror elements while laying in heart there's such compassion there's such conviction like you said nate we we through elsa we we learn compassion we learn to about trust and i think that that in itself is such a celebration of just classic hollywood films that still 
embrace that. And we've talked at great lengths about the visual aesthetics, the audio aesthetics. It's 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 just masterfully done that best captures the the aesthetics of classic Hollywood horror. But we also got to give props to the cast. The cast was outstanding. Uh, Gail Garcia Bernal, Laura Donnelly, Harriet Sansom Harris, they were fantastic as a sort of trio of characters that allowed us to connect while also understand the sort of theatrical era of this this story. So, so well done. Um, and again, being so removed from everything else that we know in the MCU while still having the right amount of touches to say that it is, it's great because it opens the doors without necessarily saying something's coming, you know what I mean? Or this is the next thing. And it's very much like Thor Love and Thunder where it's just a self-contained story that stays very focused. And yeah, I'm going to give it five out of five Bloodstones as well. Dope. Dope. Yeah, this was excellent. Um, I honestly, I'm so excited to, I've always been excited to hear what Michael Giacchino does. Um, but now I'm excited to see what Michael Giacchino does next. And I think it proves that Marvel will continue to expand the genres of the MCU. And I think they're doing such a good job and we're getting a hint of that in a, you know, in the other universe we love with star Wars and with, with Andor. Um, but I, I, I do feel like they're, they're well on their way to just continuing to add more and more of these, uh, you know, different styles of storytelling to the MCU, just with the MCU baked in with between this and between she Hulk, um, and I think the performances, as we mentioned, were phenomenal. And, and it's a tight, small cast. And I think they all worked so well off of each other. And, and they were, as, as you said, Justin, I think the theatricality was was just perfectly placed. And um, and yeah, I, I think, you know, the the I, I wanted more of these characters in this world. And I think that just speaks to how well it was for the short 50 minutes that we got. Um, and it's it's a fantastic deviation for MCU fans, but it's also perfect for Halloween. Um, and, it, and this is something that like I could see myself revisiting uh, on Halloween uh, as as you know as, as a Marvel fan. So again, I was hoping it would be a little scarier. That's just based on the trailer. After watching it and understanding what they were going for, it, it does make sense the way that they presented this presentation uh, and the gore. Uh, was 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 thrilling and 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 again something that is starting to just get heavier and heavier in the MCU as we as we approach uh, the you know head chopping off Deadpool. Um, but uh, yeah, this this was great. This had me howling for more. Uh, so I'm gonna give it four point five out of five Bloodstones. Really really enjoyed it. Uh, that is it. We hope you enjoyed this spoiler-free review for Werewolf by Night. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts on this special presentation or any of the movies or shows we cover, uh, well, I'm going to send a special invitation over to Justin to let you know how you can reach us. Well, they can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or they can hit us up on Twitter at geekcentricyt or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. Uh, keep in mind, we also have a ton of other great episodes covering the latest in movies, TV shows, and games, uh, as well as our, our interviews. We have a ton of interviews for, uh, going on recently. With We have actually interviews with uh, Hocus Pocus 2 director, speaking of the spooky season, Hocus Pocus 2 director Ann Fletcher, as well as some of the cast of the movie like Whitney Peake, Belissa Escobedo, Lilia Buckingham, Sam Richardson, and you know, speaking of incredible monster performances, the legendary Billy Butcherson himself, Doug Jones, joined us on the podcast. And we chatted with all of them about 
both joining and returning to the Sanderson sisters 29 years later. Uh, if you like that, we also have an interview with Mater himself, Daniel Whitney, a.k.a. Larry the Cable Guy. Uh, and we also have an interview with the director of this movie, uh, Michael Giacchino, uh, about his work composing for Disney and Pixar's Lightyear. And we actually, it's funny, because in that interview, I asked him about, like, so are you going to be directing anything soon? And he, he brought this up. Uh, and it's just crazy that we're already we're already reviewing uh, this special presentation. Time goes by so quickly. So check out those interviews, both here on podcast services and on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric. Keep in mind, we also have spoiler-free reviews out now. As I said, Hocus Pocus 2 we've got a review out for. We also have a review for Amsterdam, uh, which you can check out now. Darcy and Justin knocked that one out of the park. Uh, and lastly, we also have our weekly watch clubs where we break down you know, each episode of a series and give our thoughts and theories. Uh, we have our watch club for She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, which drops every Friday. Uh, and we also have our continuing watch club for the live-action Star Wars series Andor, uh, which we're dropping every three weeks, so after every third episode. So we're going to have one up after episode six, but we already have one out now with the first three episodes. Um, yeah, there is a ton going on. So please like, subscribe, click all the things, and uh, please leave a five-star review if you don't mind. Darcy, Justin, thank you so much for joining me for today's spooky, scary special presentation and review. And as we say, love ya. Laters. Peace. Peace.